Look in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 78. What are we talking about? What have we been sharing about for a long time? Blessings. God's a God that restores and revives his people, blesses his people. And I want to read to you from Psalm 78 because we have an awesome responsibility to the next generation. Sad to say, a lot of my generation is, is not walking in and, and fulfilling the responsibilities to their children and grandchildren because they're consumed with self. You can say amen because it's the truth. And so Psalm 78 is, is a wonderful passage of Scripture. And it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law, and incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings of old, which we've heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. So right there we have some information. We have a responsibility to tell the next generation about God. Tell, him, tell the generation about the praises of the Lord, his strength and his wonderful works that he's done. For he's established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born that they may arise and declare them to their children. Do you see that? That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So we do not want to be a part of that generation. We want to be a generation that makes a deposit what do we do today? We just believe God for the next generation. That's not just the preacher's job, it's your job. As a parent and as a grandparent, it's an ongoing process. We said that we receive spiritual blessings through our relationship with Christ. We said that revelation of the power that's inherent in God's word is vital for understanding the power of the spoken blessing. So you and I must understand that this is a book, precious Bible, that's full of power because God's word's full of power. So if you want to speak a blessing over someone, what should you speak? Oh, have a nice day. Be warm, be filled, be my keys. Remember, be gone. No, you speak the word. Don't forget the scripture. I'll write it down for you. Jesus Christ is made unto her wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. So she has a scripture. This day, when she leaves, she has a scripture to stand on. So if you were a smart young lady, you would take that scripture and meditate that scripture and think about that scripture and then study those four things. And if you get those into your heart, they're going to affect your mind, keep your mind renewed to those four things, you'd be successful. Amen? We also said that uh, the Jewish people have spoken Jacob's blessings over Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, for generation. Manasseh means forgetting the past, and Ephraim means fruitful. Amen? So we believe Jasmine's going to have a fruitful 
future. The author said, I'm convinced that throughout redemptive history, God has ordained the verbal blessing be the key passageway that counters the effects of the curse of sin caused by the fall. We said through the new birth, we've been given a fresh start. Aren't you glad you have a fresh start? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We have a new identity no matter what our past was like. The author said, he continues to say, that God is always designed to work across generations. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, the first in God's family, was called to cover, bless, and protect his son Isaac. Isaac was responsible to bless the generation that would come after him. That is the divine order of things. Each generation is to nourish and protect the following generation. It's a responsibility that we have. We said, in fact, turn to Exodus, please. Exodus 34. And then I'm, I'm going to take a detour today, this morning... I believe it's the Spirit of God. So I hope you're listening. Exodus 34 and verse 6. Exodus 34, verse 6. It says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Isn't that? That's our God. He's a God that is merciful, a God who's gracious, a God who's long-suffering, and he's abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. How many of you have experienced the mercy of God? Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So sometimes we read Scripture and we just, before, we don't study it and really ponder it, and so we, we just walk away from it thinking that we understand it. And so many times people can read a Scripture like that and think, well, because my parents sinned, that is, you know, that's caused this curse to come upon my family for four generations. And we kind of gave you Scripture uh, a week ago on a Wednesday night to, uh, you know, support something that's a little bit different. But uh, we said that actions requiring forgiveness are broken down into three areas, iniquity, transgression, and sin. Sin is basically missing the mark, missing the target. Transgression is a willful stepping aside from God's law. And iniquity, and this is what we, we centered in on, iniquity is often caused by a bruise. Everyone say a bruise. From the past that has festered and is now spoiling our purpose and destiny, these bruises cause us to lose self-control in certain areas of our lives. What is passed down to the next generation? What does it tell us here in Scripture? It doesn't say sin and transgression. It states iniquity. How is it passed on? James 3, 6 says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Each of us has a choice to make to speak life or death to the next generation. We have a responsibility to speak life and death or death to the next generation. We said the pathway toward healing our generational wounds the author says, starts by recognizing that the things that have happened to us, is there anyone here that's had anything happen to you, or is it just me? How many have had things in the past, even before you were Christian, horrific events, things that, you know, look at Bradley, Pastor Brad. 
Would you say being burned the way he was was a horrific event? Has it changed him? No, if anything, he's pursued God. He's seeking after the plan of God and the purpose and the destiny that God has for him. Many people could give up and, and, and just go hide in a home, shut the door, and just feel sorry for themselves because they're burned. But he didn't do that. That takes courage. But ultimately, it takes Jesus. That's why he can fulfill his spiritual destiny. So, you've got to recognize, once you become a Christian, that, you know, that changes everything. Jesus change, changes everything. Amen? It says, if he was wounded for our transgressions, was who was Jesus? He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. Now, um, <clears throat> so we see the, the, the iniquity, how it's passed down generation to generation. How many of you can think of your own family? can go back three, four generations and see some things that aren't right. Let me see your hand. Great-grandpa. How many, how many of you think that your past was for dysfunctional to some degree? You, how come you raised your hand? <laughs> I told you about when I had my picture, my, my great-grandfather, McNerney, who was a, an alcoholic and his his. His wife and child had to go out the back window when he came in at night because he abused them. I didn't tell you how he died, did I? He, he, he worked in a, a factory where they had gears, and he fell into the gears, and he was just his arm was ripped off, and he died a very gruesome death. Sin does that, folks. The wages of sin is death. So we look at your past and think, oh, that, that curse that comes down upon us because of the father's sins, the grandfather's sins. But see, it doesn't have to continue. The blood of Jesus Christ stops that curse. But you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it and then for declare and decree a thing over the next general, generation. They'll not be cursed. They'll be blessed. I pray, you know, for the boys, I prayed for them individually, but about every day I say the seed of the righteous is blessed. The seed of a righteous man is blessed. So you don't realize you will someday when you're old. You will look back and you will remember some of the things that I said. If you live right, God will bless you. Granted, you take some things for granted. You do. You boys both take things for granted. You take the blessings of God and good parenting for granted. You just see all the, the dysfunctional things in your father. That's not, you don't have to look at that. Yeah, I got idiosyncrasies. I do. We all do. But you need to realize you're blessed. And not only are you blessed, but your seed will be blessed. Kaylee needs to know that. I'll let her know that too. We gave you that example. How many of you ever watched Will and Grace? Talk about dysfunction. He's gay, and uh, they're all gay, aren't they? I don't know. But his name is um, Sean Hayes, this, this, this star in that. And he left home as a young man, went to Hollywood, 
But he didn't leave from a godly family. He left from a, a family of iniquity. Broke the ties with his father. Went on and, and became what he did. And finally had an opportunity to go back because he didn't know about his grandfather. Well, he discovered his grandfather was an alcoholic, died in a gutter. Then he went back to Ireland. And began to research court records. Prison. Found out that his uh, great-grandfather was in prison with his brother because they tried to knife their father. So you go back four generations, and you see iniquity passed down. And they're not believers. They don't know Jesus. But you see that curse. Now, can that curse be stopped? Of course it can. Look at Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. I want you to see today, and this is the good news. Deuteronomy 7. Let's start with 6. It says, for you are holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. Say, I'm chosen. Say, I'm a special treasure. It says, the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Doesn't that sound like us in Christ? Well, we've been brought out of sin and bondage. Therefore, no. Everyone say, therefore, no. That the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a, for? What's it say? A thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So I want you to understand, we think about how the sin and, you know, the curse is passed down from generation. How about the fact the blessing of God is passed on down for a thousand generations? If you choose to live a godly life in Christ, then you're blessed and your seed's blessed and your seed's seed is blessed. You need to think that way. Generational curses do not exist because God punishes for the uh, punish the chi- punishes the children for the sins of the parents. Generational curses don't exist because God punishes the children for the sins of their parents. Look at uh, Deuteronomy twenty four. I'm almost done here. I'm just kind of laying the groundwork and reviewing here. I want you to see this because it's in Scripture, Deuteronomy 24, 16. Just because your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your father was sinned, and, and, but now you're a Christian, you know, oh, there's no hope because of my past. Oh, you're covered with the blood. You don't have a past. You've got a future. Amen. Fathers shall not be put to death, verse 16, for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for what? His own sin. So get off this bandwagon about, oh, my grandpa was this way. My great-grandfather, you know, people go back and they dig up their past. Listen, yeah, you had a past, but you're under the blood now. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You got a future. The thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord of hosts, are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future, a hope, and expected end. That's always been one of my favorite scriptures. 
So it's the individual sin. The cause, what happens is, the sins of parents are often picked up by the children. And the effects of sin get passed down from one generation to the next. When a parent has a sinful lifestyle, the children follow the pattern, learn behavior. Because of this tendency, we see that God having to punish the sins of families generations in a row. Because they don't have a a revelation of the fact that they've been redeemed from the curse of the law. There's even well-meaning born-again Christians that are still living their life under the curse and they don't have to. When, you, when you're born again, you come under a new bloodline. Say, I'm under a new bloodline. And as we draw closer to Jesus on a regular basis, we lose our old lifestyle, sinful habits, and we break the curse from our natural family line. This becomes the seed of righteousness Say this with me. I'm a seed of righteousness. Say this again. I'm a seed of righteousness for my descendants. This generational blessing is much more powerful than the curse. Amen? Now, if you're going to break the generational curse against your bloodline, you've got to begin by living a righteous lifestyle and speak blessings and on and on. So I, I rush through all that to come to this. And this is what I believe is the Spirit of God, and you might not like it. Say, I might not like it, but I'm going to listen and apply it to my life. Look at Proverbs 29. We think about iniquity that's passed down in generational curses. And we think, what do we think of? Adultery. Drug addicts. Alcoholism. What's some other bad things? Abuse. Verbal, physical abuse. Yes, that's all bad, but I'm going to give you one more that's a sin. And it comes through learned behavior from watching mama and dad and grandma and grandpa. Now, I'm not saying this applies to everyone in general, but but listen to what I have to say. Proverbs 29 and verse 30. Excuse me, Proverbs, what I want. Maybe I got the wrong scripture. Look at Proverbs 6. We'll start there. Proverbs 6. Oh, there it is. It's in 24. Go with me to 24. I found it. My four looks like a nine. A lot of my numbers look like different things. Proverbs 24, verse 30. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. And when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked 
on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Now look at Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. We're going to go through Proverbs, three or four scriptures. Proverbs 6 and verse 6. Go to the ant, you what? Sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides your supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come to you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Look at Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10. Verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son, and he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Look at Proverbs 13 and verse 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the what? Diligent shall be made rich. One more. Look at Psalm 21. Psalm 21 and verse 5. The plans of the what? Diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who's hasty surely to poverty. Now, you pick up stuff from mom and dad. My boys pick up stuff from me. Have you ever watched your mom and dad and seen? That's different. Hopefully, though, your kids pick up some good things. Not just all the major sins. But I'm going to tell you one thing today. That your kids and your seed and your seed seed will pick up if you're lazy. If you're lazy physically... If you can't clean your car, wash your car, if you can't clean your house, if you can't keep your property up, if you can't be to work on time, your kids see that. Now, you can go the opposite direction. That's all you do is is work. You can be lazy in the natural, not fulfilling your responsibilities, and your kids pick up on that. So how do they grow up? How do your kids grow up if you're lazy? Lazy. Go look. Dear Lord, folks, look at welfare today. How many, how many families, generations, have, have you ever had a, a family that's been on welfare more than one generation that you knew, that you work with? It's why? Because they pick it up. Laziness, slothfulness, not fulfilling the responsibilities in the natural are not fulfilling the responsibilities, being diligent to take care of their soul or their spirit man. If the folks aren't in the Word, if the folks aren't praying, if the folks aren't going to church, guess how the kids grow up? Not praying, not in the Word, and they don't see any need to go to church. Mom and Dad don't go on a regular basis. Why should I? I'm thankful I got boys that are here, and I know there's times they don't want to be here. They get tired of listening to me at home and here. 
but they're here. They have never complained. I've never heard them complain. Not once about coming to church because it's a given. Because if they do, they deal with her. My boys grow up. I, I'm nervous. Mike's work, Mike is working a couple different jobs. And, and it's about 7 till 9 and he's got to be at lose at 9. I get the Clint Eastwood t- twitch. Why? Because I'm always early. I was always work in the summertime hauling garbage. I could hardly wait to get there. I think the other guys wonder, what was wrong with me? They told me, we're going to fire you if you don't slow down. See, I was quick then. I'm still quick. I understood you got to be there on time. He had kids working for you. Did his son do a good job? Absolutely. Aren't you proud of that? Where did he learn how to do that? Grandpa. Your, man's, your father's a godly man. You're the seed of the righteous. They're blessed. He learned it from you. Modeling your daily activities, being to work on time, fulfilling your responsibilities. Kids pick up, oh, I thought we were talking about iniquity and sin. Lazy and slothfulness is sin. Anything that is not a faith is sin. Slothfulness is not a faith. We're dealing with being diligent. And if you're not diligent in fulfilling your responsibilities at this church, then you've got some issues you need to deal with. And it's my job as the pastor and a spiritual mentor and father to let you know you better get with the program. I don't care what age you are. You owe it to your heavenly father to be diligent in spiritual activities and physical activities and get things done. And do it to the best of your ability. Now listen, we're all human. Pastor, you're standing. Well, I have failed. There's many times I can tell you I've screwed up. I've failed. There's times I've, maybe I've been lazy in areas of my life. But the important thing is you get back to square one. You repent and say, I've got to make some changes. I've got to be diligent. The diligent people are blessed. See, we're talking about Blessings. You want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. Well, then get diligent and fulfill the responsibilities that have been given you. Boy, this is good for you because you better be diligent. There are going to be people you live with ain't going to be diligent. I'll tell you that right now. You might think they are. You're going to discover they're not going to be spiritually diligent. But you just take care of Jasmine. Keep praying for him. <laughs> I got I to gotta give you a bad time. You're a good kid. I've got to be diligent in fulfilling my responsibilities. I hope my boys re- don't remember me as lazy. Always working. Or you helping me do something. Glue something last night at 1030 or 11 o'clock. He's out and holding something so I could glue it. Mom and dad, if you're not diligent in the affairs of life, your kids aren't going to pick up on the right things. And if you had a mother and father that were lazy and you're born again, then forget about it. You're redeemed. And start doing what you need to do. Let's stand on our feet today. Today was a little different. I want you to be blessed. 
I want your family to be blessed spiritually, physically, financially, all realms. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to show you. And this applies to me too, areas that you've been lazy, been slothful, have not been diligent in fulfilling your spiritual and physical responsibilities daily. And once God tells you, then what do you need to do? Oh, get around to it. No, you need to repent. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know this, this sermon just isn't for the people that are before me, but the word applies to the teacher even more so because I will be judged more than they will when I come before the throne of God. So, Father, if there are areas in our life that we picked up sinful habits, whether it be being lazy in areas of our life, we don't have to blame mom or dad, grandma and grandpa. We need to realize that we are the ones that have been lazy and we need to repent and we know, Lord, if we confess our sins of being lazy, you'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy today in the name of Jesus. Some of you here today have not been lazy in some of the things that I've spoken about, but you have been lazy in speaking the word of the Lord. You have been lazy and indifferent and apathetic about speaking a blessing over your children and your grandchildren. This you must repent of. If you're going to see your children blessed and the next generation blessed, then you must rise up and speak and declare a thing. This is an adjustment. Make this uh, adjustment, and you'll see things begin to change. Maybe not overnight, maybe not next week, next month. Maybe it'll be more than a year. But purpose in your heart to begin to speak the word of the Lord over your children. Men, men, husbands, fathers, heed the word of the Lord today. It's your responsibility to seek God and pray. It's your responsibility to stand watch and be on guard against all the enemy. It's your responsibility to speak the living word of God, to declare and decree a thing so it shall be established for you, and light will appear in your home. It's your responsibility, man, no matter what age. You have authority to bind and to loose. Bind the enemy and loose God and loose angels to go forth and work on behalf of your people, your family, your loved ones. God watches over his word to perform it. So make sure you're speaking the word in the name of Jesus. Do these things. And you'll see some changes in the days that are ahead. I believe that was the Spirit of the Lord speaking. Heed what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today.